pray, and then we're going to just jump in. Lord Jesus, we need you. Lord, I need you. Jesus, I just pray you'd speak through me. And Lord, that all of our hearts, including mine, would be ready to receive your word. And Lord, we want to be like that good seed that falls on the good soil. And then we multiply that harvest, Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, like Matt was talking about, the Christianity explored. We want to pray about it, but we also want to pray and then tell people in our lives about it. Invite them to come. They're not going to know it's here. Just like church. How in the world would you ever find this church? Somebody's got to tell you you see it on the internet. That's the only way. Because if you're walking by this building, you don't think, oh, yeah, there's a good church in the basement in an old nightclub down there. I can sense it. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then when you come, everybody remember their first time. You come here, you come to these creepy back doors, right? And you're like, nowadays, it's like, you want me to press this button. And you know what's funny is the past couple of weeks, the button hasn't been, like, they've been pressing the button, and it hasn't been ringing, and it didn't indicate to us that there was no battery power. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thanks. I love technology. Anyway, we have to bring our friends. We will make sure that we have like two really big nightclub guys, like like two bouncers out there, you know, ready. No, I'm just kidding. We'll just open the doors. It's very difficult to get down here. You remember your first time ever coming? You're like, where am I going? And then they take you to this door that's just in the wall. Right? You guys notice that? Our door is in the wall, right? And they're like, when I first came here, I was like, I was with the founding pastor. His name was Rich. I'm like, Rich, where are we going, bro? We used to be at the custard factory. Now, that was a trip. That was crazy, right? I, I, we would, one time we came to church, and we're ready for church, and there's police lines, do not cross, right? And we're like, oh, we got to get in there to church. And the guy's like, you ain't having church today. <laughs> and I'm like, uh... He's like, somebody just got shot. <laughs> okay, well, we're not having church today. I don't want to be number two. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, yeah, it was crazy. Then we move here, right? To the dungeon, I mean the nightclub. <laughs> and then, you know, I made the dungeon look a bit nicer. I put a little paint on the walls, put some fairy lights up, yeah? You guys don't see the chains hanging off or anything? I painted those. <laughs> Chris actually looked around. He was like, really, there's chains? <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. But now we're in, the, you know, we're in the nightclub, man, and we've been down here for over 10 years. 10 years. So if you came here, the Lord led you here. That's what I know, OK? Because nobody's just going to run into this place. Oh, let me go down these creepy stairs. You know, you come down the stairs, and you're like, oh, look, we're in a basement. I'm not going to let you know this, but there is no daylight down here. That's why I have tons of lights. Some of you guys think, oh, yeah, the window. There ain't no windows down here. <laughs> um, so the Lord is good. So you have to invite your friends to come. And for the harvest party for the men, when we show up on Saturday, we're there to help. We're, get, we're actually going to help set up for the harvest party the next day. So we're going to put up marquees. Uh, man, we got this new bouncy castle. It's a pirate ship, bouncy castle. It's for children only. But you know, if you're a child on the inside, you could go on it. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's like an obstacle course type thing. So you could run races through it and stuff. Yeah. So, so that's going to be there. 
and we're just gonna have a good time as a family. So, um, but men, when we come, we're not there to, um, you know, to eat Allison's delicacies and delights, okay? We, um, we're probably just gonna have like a, like McDonald's breakfast or something like that. And then we are gonna get to work and start putting up marquees and stuff. And then I'll stand on the side and tell you a little bit about the Bible and then we just keep going, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, um, that's Saturday morning. So let's go in. Pastor Juan covered this part, but I wanted to kind of reiterate it again. So it says um, in chapter two, it begins like this. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into this land and I swore to give it to your, give your that I swore to give your ancestors. And I said, I would never break my covenant with you. For your part, you were not to make any covenants with the people living in this land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars, but you disobeyed my command. Why did you do this? So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your side, and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. And you guys remember what Pastor Juan said, you know, like uh, he, he gave that kind of uh, analogy of like when you're standing up on a chair and somebody else is down off the chair, is it very easy to pull them up to get to you? Like with them not helping you at all, you can just pick them up and put them on the chair with you? Or is it easier for them to just pull you off the chair? Right? I'll put it to you how it was put to me when I was younger. I have a decision when I come around people that don't know the Lord. I have a decision. I can either be a thermometer and change to the temperature of the room. Do you understand what I'm saying? I could just be just like them. Speak like them, cuss like them, say whatever like them, dirty jokes, whatever. And nobody will know that I was a Christian and you're safe, right? Nobody's making fun of you or anything like that, right? Or I can be a thermostat and I could change the temperature of the room. Okay? That's what Jesus was. Remember what the Pharisees always said to him. This guy is a friend of sinners. And the sinners loved him around. Why? Because Jesus used acid and he was out of his mind? No. It's because he showed them what the kingdom of God was. He showed them who God was. That he loved them and he had mercy on them. And he would change the temperature of the room they would all start talking about the Lord and eternal things, right? Because he led that conversation. But there's, there's two ways to change the temperature of a room, right? You guys know this. I mean, you may have never tried it, but you guys know this. You can either gradually change the temperature of the room. I don't know if any of you guys have thermostats at home to, to change the temperature of your house. And you just turn that thermostat up and over time, it changes. And there's a second way to change the temperature of your house if you want it warmer. You can use a flamethrower. No, honestly, you use a flamethrower, right? It's going to get hot up in there, right? Think of how ludicrous that would be. That would be insane. Somebody's like, hey, I want it warmer in here. And they just take out a flamethrower and just start flaming the house and all the guests. If the people survive, do you think they'd want to come back for another party? Think about it, honestly. 
I mean, if they do, they're crazy. Or they're Rambo. I don't know. <laughs> but when we want to change the temperature, why am I telling you this? Because if you want to be a thermostat, there's a way to do it. And it's in love and truth. Both of them married together. I've told you this before. Truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is a lie. It's a lie. Because you're sitting there, oh, I'm loving them, I'm loving them. But you never tell them the truth. Therefore, you're loving them into their death. And then the other way, like when you're a Christian, is you know the flamethrower or the baseball bat way. Yo, I told them the truth. Yeah, but they're dead on the ground. Good job. Yeah, but I told them the truth. Right? And we don't team it with love. But Jesus was, he had that perfect balance. He could be with sinners and he could change the temperature of the room, right? But the Lord was saying to Israel, you didn't need to be in that temptation anyway. You've put yourself in a hard spot and they will be a thorn in your side constantly. Right? It's like, um, you know, Friday devotionals. If you guys ever listen to the Friday devotionals, that's where you'll see like Pastor Juan and he gives his three second devotional or, or Tom does a five minute or you're like, if you want something longer, you can listen to Matt and he'll do a 23 minute devotional. No, I'm kidding. His are shorter though. <laughs> But, you know, everybody's got a different, different flavor, right? But imagine you're listening to the devotional before you go hit the nightclub and you use some drugs and, and go get smashed, you know, like totally wasted. What do you guys call it? Legless or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> like it's the Lord of the Rings. Legolas. Um, <laughs> but imagine that. That you're sitting there, yeah, yeah, Lord, I love your word, I love your word, you know? And then, oh, oh, my boys are outside, or oh, my girls are outside, let's go party, go meet somebody tonight, go to somebody else's house, party, right? And you get wasted and all these things. What good was God's word? What good is the Lord if you're going to be disobedient, right? That's Israel, but that's us. That's us, Right? Man, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. I've been there. Why am I making fun of it? Because I have been there. Lord, I love you, I love you. And then sin's like, hey, Dave. And I'm like, Lord, I love you. I'll love you in 10 minutes. And I'm out. And I go meet sin. And then I come back, and, oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I used to have this dog, and his name was Clay. Juan knows this dog. He was a great dog. I mean, honestly, great dog. Doberman, right? He was more scared. Of, he was scared of crickets, this Doberman, right? Every other Doberman in history is scary, not Clay. I mean, this is, this is Clay. Somebody came, would come to the door, Clay would get scared. He'd stand behind me and wet himself. No, he, he'd pee on the floor. <laughs> oh, Clay, come on, man. <laughs> come on, you tough, you're a Doberman. He thought he was a kitten. He would come and try to sit on my lap. I'm like, you weigh like 14 stone, man. <laughs> like you are a fat dog. He loved food. Don't get in the way of him and food. Then he's vicious, right? But Clay was a sweet dog. I had him for nine years. And then he got cancer and he passed away. 
But Clay was such a sweet dog, but there was one glitch with Clay, all right? He would walk next to me. He was obedient all the time. But then once in a while, he saw our girl dog, right? And her name was Maya. And she'd be at the edge of the woods. And she'd give him a glance. And he knew they were running, right? They were running. And I would go, Clay, no. Right? This only happened like four times in his whole life. But he'd go, Clay, no. And he'd look at me. Then he'd look at her. And he's like, bro, I'm out. I've never seen that dog run so fast in my life. Right? He was like, Psh! he'd be gone for like two, three days. Like, honestly, like, I'm like, where's my dog? Right? <laughs> and one time, well, two times when he came back, he came back with huge slashes in his side. Like, you could see the meat in him. And I'm like, Clay, what happened? And he'd be laying there for like four days in his bed, and we'd go to the vet, and we'd get stuff for his wounds, and we'd have to dress him and everything. I don't know what happened to him. Like, out there, he was a tough guy or something. I don't know. Or he got attacked or something. Big holes in him, like as if something ripped him apart. And he'd come back. And man, he wouldn't run away for years. And then it would happen again, right? And the Lord showed me, Dave, that's how you are, right? Man, I, I walk with the Lord. I walk with the Lord. And the Lord's like, stay away from temptation. But once in a while, she glances at me, right? And I look at it. Then I look at the Lord. And then I hear the Lord saying, stay here. And I look at it. And I'm like, I'm out, bro. <laughs> right? I'm just being honest. So what can stop us from doing this? Only Jesus. Only asking the Holy Spirit who already indwells us to say, help me, strengthen me to walk on this road and not do that. Not to do the clay. <laughs> not to do the clay. And it's hard because when you get into those familiar places, right? Those same friends call you. And you're like, man, we do this all the time. How could I say no? That's when we need the Lord's help to begin to change our hearts and say, I know we have a great time, but it's not good for me. It's not good for my family. It's not good for my, my whole family because I don't belong to myself, right? So then the angel of the Lord, and usually when we see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, uh, scholars have indicated that when that angel of the Lord speaks, he speaks as if he is God, right? So a lot of people believe that, you know, the, the term would be a Christophacy or, or, you know, or things like that. It is the pre-incarnate Jesus showing up and giving the message as God, right? Look how he says it. He says, I brought you out of Egypt, and we know that Jesus was there from the very beginning. We hear that in Colossians. All right? If you just read the book of Colossians, and the book of Colossians says, all things were created through Christ and for Christ. A lot of people will say, well, he's not God because he's God's only begotten son. He, you know, he, they, he had a creation point. But we find out from Scripture he had no creation point. He was there from the beginning that's what John tells us. 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's been there. He's been there. He was there when, when Israel was being freed from Egypt. He was there when God made the promise to Abraham. He was there. He was there when Daniel saw, you know, the, the future. And we know he was there when he told John about the future. Which is the book of Revelation. Right? How can I stay away? I need to love the Lord. I need to read his word. I need to let it renew my mind, like it says in Romans 12 too. We can see that up on the screen. As I read the word and I believe what he's saying, it renews my mind, right? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So when I read his word, this is actually happening to me. We're told in the book of Ephesians that the, that the pure water of God's word washes us. It washes us. Why? Because I get dirty in this world. Even when I'm not sinning. You know, like you start getting dirty and down by just watching the news. And you think to yourself, man, I don't feel that good, Lord. Come, bathe in his word. Read about him. Read about what he has done and what he is continuing to do and what he will do for you. For you. So I need to love the word, read his word, let it renew my mind, and then apply it to my life. The best way to remember God's word is to live it. Well, Pastor Dave, how do I do that? Well, it's kind of easy. You may come here and you hear us teach God's word. We teach it fairly simply. And what I try to do is the application of God's word, right? So how do I do that? How do you live out what you read in God's word? Well, you sit there and you read it and you work it out. Like if God's word says, oh, my children, love one another. How do we apply that? Love one another. <laughs> Ask the Lord how you can love one another, right? Don't let it bend. Don't you put your own bend on it. Yeah, well, I'm going to love this person by, you know, tripping them as he passes by. That's a love. What? Ask the Lord how you love. He actually shows us how we love each other in his word. He tells me to forgive the wrongs of others. Forgive the wrongs of others. So then, when the angel of the Lord finished speaking, verse 4, to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they called the place Bochum, which means weeping. And they offered sacrifices there to the Lord. And Juan said something that last week that was said to me my mother said it to me and you may think it was a harsh thing that she said right I did something wrong and I said mom mom I'm sorry but the problem was is I kept doing this thing wrong 
right? This was probably the fifth or sixth time I had come and said, Mom, I'm sorry. You know what she said to me? She looked me straight in the eyes and she said, save your sorries for when you're ready to change. And she walked away. Now I had two choices. I could be offended at the little lady, right? And be like, I said I'm sorry. You're not gonna you know, accept my apologies? Or I could hear the truth in what she was saying. She is right. How do I show that I am truly sorry? I change what I keep messing up, right? I put work in, but I can't do it alone. I need the Lord, right? And I'll tell you what, I said from that day on, I am not going to fail like this again. Lord, help me. I do not want to keep failing her. I am actually sorry, but I need to do something about it. I need to change. So from that day forward, I began working on changing so that I wouldn't keep failing in this little way. Right? What do we see them not do in verse 4 and 5? They had a whole bunch of weeping and a whole bunch of sacrifices, but they didn't change what they did. They just said, oh, well, you know, we said we're sorry. Let's just keep living. And sometimes when we're here on Sunday mornings, we're the same way. And guys, I'm not pointing a finger to accuse you. I know human nature because I'm like that too sometimes, right? Man, I'm convicted. I'm convicted. I'm convicted. Let's go to McDonald's. Right? Or for you health conscious people, let's go to five guys. <laughs> Get a little more fat in my system. Anyway, no, but what I'm saying is we say, oh, how convicting. Let's go on with my life. Instead of saying, how convicting. I need to change, Lord. Can you help me? And then you set out to change. Change does not happen magically. Guys, if my wall needs painting, guess what needs to be done? Do I just pray until the wall changes color? I pray. I say, Lord, strengthen me because I hate painting. And be with me as I apply the paint to the wall. And meet me there and strengthen me. And give me determination. Help me to see it through. And then I go get the paint and I start painting. And lo and behold, over time, my wall is painted. And nobody even remembers what it looked like before. That's also a catch, right? Because my life has changed so much. Nobody knows, except for people that knew me in the past, nobody knows what it looked like in the past. So then what people will come and say is, Oh, you've never had hardship. Look how beautiful your wall is. And I chuckle. <laughs> you didn't see the ruins that my life was. The bad mistakes I kept making. The arrogance I lived in. Because I knew nobody else was going to build me up, so I needed to build me up. Right? Blowing my own trumpet. Here I come. But instead, letting that die, asking the Lord to help me change. And then later, you come to the house 
this house that the Lord has helped me build and you assume a whole bunch of things about me that I've never had hardship, that I've never seen pain and that's why you can walk with the Lord. And I would tell you it's the opposite. It's because I know what it looks like and what it feels like. And I don't like that burn. Not the burn that I cause on myself. No. That's why I would rather choose hardship and pain that the Lord has chosen because he will be with me. He will keep to his word like he says in the book of Isaiah. When you pass through the waters, the floods will not take you away. Why? Because that's the path he's choosing for me. And he will be with me. And I've told people before, they say, you moved from New York City to Birmingham? What's wrong with you? And to some people, I answer like this. I would rather be in God's will than anywhere else in, God, in the world. I don't care if you give me a mansion in Dubai and you give me billions of pounds. If I'm not with God, get me out of there. Because all that is is a distraction from life. I want to be, I'm, and guys, I'm not saying anything against money. Listen, I like money just like you guys. I just don't love it. Because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's what the scripture says. But we need money to survive. And guess what? I like buying stuff. I like buying stuff for people. I like buying stuff for myself, for my wife. I love buying stuff for church. I love buying stuff. And guess what you need? Money. Or Bitcoin. But don't go that route. It's a bit, bit bad right now. <laughs> so we need to love our master, who's the one that gives us things, right? And then when we get those gifts, we offer it back to our king, right? Doesn't mean, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, like one day you could be the richest person in the world, right? 300 billion pounds. But if you are offering it back to your king, doesn't matter. He will be pleased. He will be pleased. Sorry means nothing without changing direction. Obedience is better than sacrifice. My mother would tell me that too, right? And then I found the Bible passage. Samuel said it to Saul. I'm going to read you that story real quick because that story really hits my heart really hard. So we're going to read 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip to verse, 15, uh, verse 10 and go from 10 to 26. So we'll read it really quick if you want to throw it up on the screen. One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord, right? This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. The Lord of hosts, as the King James puts it. Which means the Lord of heaven's armies. The king of the armies, right? The Lord of heaven's armies has declared, I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek. Not Amrik, Amalek. Different, okay? He loves Amrik, okay? Amalek, not so much, okay? Opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. So see, the Lord is fair. He waits hundreds of years before he settles accounts. He told the Amalekites who he was. And they said, uh-uh, I don't want to listen. 
And he gave them time, patience. That is what Jonah, that's why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, right? Read the book of Jonah. What is his complaint to the Lord? Because you are long-suffering, you're merciful, and gracious. And that's why I don't want to work for you. <laughs> right? Imagine saying that to your boss. I don't want to work for you because you're too kind to me. You give me a raise every week. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm leaving. I'm going to Amazon. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, back to, back to God's word. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Guys, he is saying everything. Make it all disappear. Nothing. Bring back nothing. Burn it to the ground. Okay? Next verse. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument for himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. What a guy, right? Go set up a monument for myself, right? Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command, right? This is what Saul is telling him. And this is Samuel's answer. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice it. They're going to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? Next verse. The Lord has anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. 
I've disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now, please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you since you have rejected the Lord's command. He has rejected you as king over Israel. And we'll end it there. Think about it. He just, he just slid a little bit, right? He just kept the nice things, right? I took care of almost everything, right? Except Saul said, Samuel said, why did you rush to the plunder? Do you guys know what that means? When you saw the shiny gold, why'd you go grab it? When you saw the good things, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're going to sacrifice it to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. The Lord's like, no. I told you, destroy it all. All of it. 100%. 100%. And sometimes we like to play with our sin, right? Lord, I destroyed it all. Except for the king. I'm keeping King Agag because he's going to work for me. I'm going to sacrifice him before you. Right? Remember what Pastor Juan said last week? You know, instead of getting rid of the people, they, they subjugated them into their bondage as if your sin could work for you. Right? We've all tried it. We've all said, I got rid of most of it. I just keep this one because it's sentimental and it's like my little blankie. Right? Lord, Lord, I'm trusting you with everything, but I, I still need to worry a little bit. Right? Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you with everything, but I, I need to do a little bit of gossiping. Got to get it out of my system. Right? Or, or just a little bit of lust. You know, I'm just going to look at a little bit of porn. Or, Lord, Lord, listen, I am not going to drink seven days a week. I'm only going to drink one day a week and get smashed. But, Lord, it's only one day a week. I need it. It's in my culture. It's what my people do. Hey, listen, there's something that's in everybody's culture, and it's called this, sin. God is not anti-culture. He's anti-sin. So if there's sin, like in my culture, I grew up in a culture that is so materialistic. And, and you don't even notice it because you're born in it, right? Everybody had a new car every two years. Everybody, right? Except for the Toros, because we can't afford that, <laughs> right? So we got a busted car, and people are judging us. Why are you driving a busted car? You good-looking boys. You should, you should have mortgages. And I'm like, you need money to have a mortgage. I don't know what that translates to you, Don. <laughs> so that, we were told we're bad Christians because we didn't have lots of money in the bank because it shows that God doesn't love us, right? I grew up in a materialistic culture. Listen, there was a time in my life where I and my brothers and my mother were homeless. You know what that means? I ain't got no home, no house to go to. Nobody noticed because my brothers and I were on tour constantly. But why? I ain't got no home to go back to. So play the next show. Play the next show. In 10 years, my brothers and I had played 1,500 shows. You guys might be like, well, that's not that much for 10 years. That's 150 shows a year. 
We just played shows, played shows, played shows. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. Right? And then they say, where do you live? Um, this week? <laughs> or, right? But I'll tell you what, as an American, they didn't want to hear that. So I didn't tell them I didn't have a home. Right? Because all of a sudden, ooh, you dirty. You homeless. Right? But the Lord took care of us. I was never on the curb begging for bread. I always had a place to stay, always. And sometimes they were mansions, right? I was homeless, but I'm chilling in mansions, right? Because my God is good. He's good, and he takes care of his children. I was eating better than other people, right? Because the Lord was taking care of us. So, you know, we all have sinful things in our cultures, right? Even the ways they worship the Lord or things that are against the Lord, we, we need to move that away. We need to say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. Sorry means nothing without changing direction. Confession, but not making it right, equals nothing. No repentance and no change in your walk. So what does the Lord want us to do? He doesn't want us to bear this sin burden. In fact, he tells us that if we're weary and heavy laden to come to him, right? To take that burden off, to hand it to him. He tells us, Peter tells us that if we have burdens, cast them on him because he cares for us. And sometimes those burdens are sins that we shouldn't be bearing. So we come and we lay it at his feet and we don't pick it back up. And we say, Lord, I want to walk in your ways. Teach me. Teach me. Right? Sin is too much a burden to bear. We bring it to Jesus. In, in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. Right? But then sometimes we don't think about the other part that he says. He says, for my yoke is light, right, and easy to bear. But sometimes we don't even want to take up the yoke. We're like, ooh, no, 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 thank you. And the Lord's like, no, you need to walk with me in my ways. It will not tire you out. You will be strengthened, but you need to work. And that work is us walking with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and not going back to our sin. So when we find that we need to change something in our lives, Let's not be like Saul. Let us instead, and not like the Israelites who just wept, oh, I messed up, I messed up. Okay, well, we gave our sacrifices. Let's go back. Go back to where we came from. But instead say, all right, I need to do what's right. Even though it's painful, I need to make it right. Let's do this. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need you. And Lord, um, Sin is too much a burden to bear. We don't need the temptation around us, Lord. Help us to expel the temptation, to say, I don't want it. Lord, I want to walk with you. Lord, strengthen us to walk with you, to say no. And Lord, when we, it is revealed to us through your word or through someone that we, we have done something wrong, Lord, that we would repent of it and then walk in your ways, that we would get rid of it. Say, no, I don't need that. 
I need you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Help us to love you with our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.